Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yo. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? Wonderful. Yeah. Shall we get into it with Athletic Greens? Let me tell you something, David. You know what I did maybe an hour ago? I made some eggs. I had some bacon. I had some tomatoes, balsamic vinaigrette, some olive oil, a little bit of bagel and everything, seedlings on top of that, and some cheddar and jalapeno toasted bread with butter and of course to top it all off every morning my ag1 i had my athletic greens green drink and um i love the stuff and it's a part of my life so dietarily i'm not i'm no dietitian (laughs) go ahead that's okay there's a lot of butter (laughs) the the the, um damage or potential damage that you're doing with the bacon the cheese the bread all of that you can almost forgive yourself for because of the AG1. Like e- even if you're putting a couple of bad things in your body, I feel like you get enough exercise, you can kind of work through that stuff, but it's important to make sure that you're also getting the good stuff. And the AG1 solves all of that part of your diet. It absolutely does. I'm a, um, you know, what's really funny too, is that like my whole family is on the AG1 program now. <laughs> So my wife's drinking it. My daughter's drinking it. I'm drinking it. I'm trying to get my dog to try it. Well, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to not like about it. It's super simple. It is one scoop. Uh, it's delicious. It has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, all whole food sourced superfoods broken down into a powder. So you just put that one scoop in eight ounces of water, which I'm holding right here. And you can honestly shake it and ingest it in 20 seconds. So it's just a quick, easy solution to get all of your dietary uh, health requirements in one shot. Yeah, I think you mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. Like 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, uh, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics adoptogens boom which is a, which is an interesting word adoptogens I, that might be the name of my new band i think we're going to cover like early punk rock 
songs, but um, Scott you get Bass all that, and the Adaptogens. I don't know about the first part. I just like Adaptogens, and that's uh, going to, uh, of course, all of those things. David, helping you to start your your day off right. You know, start your day off right, which is what I did this morning, and I try to do each and every morning. AG one. So um, join the Bass family, join the Scales family, reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. By the way, we're headed into cold and flu season and there's less sunlight um, due to, you know, the time change. So with using our promo code athleticgreens.com slash surf, you get a one year free supply of immune supporting vitamin D. So you're in the sun less during this time of year. Boost it with the vitamin D, get everything you need from the AG1 and uh, athleticgreens.com slash surf is our portal. Slash surf, athleticgreens.com slash surf. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Welcome, everybody. It is Spit, and it's Tuesday afternoon, uh, December 14th, 2021. I'm Scott Bass, and uh, my friend and co-host, David Lee Scales, is with us as well. Good afternoon, David. Hey, good afternoon. Happy holidays, Scott. Happy holidays, yes. How's everything at the Scales household? Uh, full of Christmas cheer. Oh, that's that's good. Christmas but, shopping is done. Wrapping is underway. There's a Christmas tree in the living room. Watching holiday movies every day. Things are good. <laughs> nice. Good for you. I did a bunch of sort of like holiday cooking, I guess you could say today. Not a bunch, but I made a soup because it's kind of wintry here in Southern California. So I made a nice soup and um, I pickled some red onions. And what else did I do? I think that's it for now. What are the pickled onions for? Just to have pickled onions, you know? Yeah. Red onion. I love, we keep them in the fridge too, um, pretty much all the time. I love pickled anything. Yeah. Tell me about your pickled onion recipe. Do you have a secret? (laughs) No. And it changes all the time. Sometimes I Whatever's available. Yeah, I sometimes I'll have pickling spice in the house and I'll throw that in there if I have it. But if not, I'm happy with just red wine vinegar with the onions and that's enough. Yeah, I put a jalapeno in this time. So I chopped up a jalapeno with um, and I put some honey in with the vinegar. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. We've got the crock. We've got uh, the crock pot going today as well because of the winter weather. Is it raining down there? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's raining totally and cold, and uh, so I made a um, a soup that's called carne de suiza, which I'm not sure what suiza means. Well, it's a cream cream sauce, right? Yeah, that's not what it is, though. I don't know. I like think when it should you get be when you carne get the enchiladas, when yeah. you get the enchilada suizas, they're like a white cream sauce. I think. Yeah. No, you're right. But this was just tomatillos and um chuck roast and some bacon and it's a really good soup recipe it's really yummy 
Sounds good. Um, what about Christmas? Do you do any of the Christmas shopping for your family? No. I <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for my beautiful wife. She handles a lot of the stuff. Like the last week she's been decorating the house. Like every day there's a new situation, new lights, new whatever. So what do you get for her? The woman that does everything. Oh, you know, I mean, whatever she likes, whatever she would want. Um, Meaning she picks out her own gift. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> meaning I, I don't, I haven't gotten her anything. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> and she does pick out her own gift. Yes. Got it. Got it. Um, now, final question regarding Christmas, and it's an important one. Fake yeah. tree or real tree? Real tree. And we bought it today in the rain. A real tree in the rain. It's being decorated as we speak. And cool. I'm getting a little bit of pushback. I need to be there for the decorating. So um, got kind of a heart out here. <laughs> All right. We'll keep it to the one hour. We look, I think we only ever promised one hour from the earliest of days, and it often goes to 90 minutes. But if you ever get 90, it's just a bonus. One hour is all that we're promising. Exactly. Exactly right. Well, hey, we could fill a whole hour with just talking about Nazare. Good, because that's really all I got. I, I don't have much more than that. Um, other than I did go on a surf trip. Um, I got back Sunday. So I went down to Mexico for the last South Swell and surfed uh, all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday. Super fun, little three to four foot squiggly runner, you know, right-hand point waves. And it was really a great time. And I needed to get into some warm water with some trunks on. And it was good, man. It was so you were, much fun. You were with Taylor Knox. Yeah. Yep. It was a Taylor and this friend of Taylor's, this guy named Paul. And it was just us. And our host, Bugs, uh, down at Punta Canejo Resort. So how'd you, first of all, was that planned in advance? Was it a strike mission? How'd you get hooked up with Taylor? Yeah, it was more of a, for me, it was a strike mission. I mean, I had seen, I, would, I was trying to get on the last house well, you know, and I'd seen this one. And, and my friend Bugs, who's part owner of, of this resort, he's a buddy of mine and we do some business stuff together. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to be down there. If you want to come down, just come down. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I will. So I booked a ticket and then he's like, Hey, by the way, Taylor's going to be down here too. And so it was just random circumstance, but it was cool. Wow. Cause I got, I got to surf with Taylor, which is, I mean, it's just great for your surfing, you know, to, to see somebody with so much great form, such great form, so much power. And he's fun to talk to about the technicalities, kind of like the way Brad, you know, the way you might talk with Brad about positioning of, you know, where to be. One of the most interesting things, actually, that Taylor talked to me about, and we talked about a lot of stuff, and, and some of it's off the record, and I won't bring it up, but some of it was, um, was this concept of space and time. Taylor's big on space and time when he's judging other surfers he wants to look at space and time meaning what are you doing between turns with your space and your time it's basically a way to look at style right it's it's sort of another way to look at it but yeah okay you're doing that you're doing that big top turn or you're doing that big bottom turn or you're doing the big roundhouse what are you doing with your body in that space and time between the next turn? 
what does your transition look like? Well, you know, and, and it was, um, you know, it was, it, it's a good way to, for me, it was a good way to look, look at my surfing. This is a brand new concept to me and I'm all ears. Can you explain it a little further? Like what is, can you give me an example of a surfer that Taylor likes and how they're utilizing space and time versus maybe one that doesn't use it well? Well, I can't, I can't speak for who Taylor likes and doesn't like it. I mean, obviously the, the one that Taylor and I agree is the goat is Tom Curran, you know? And so if you watch Tom between turns, what's he doing, you know? And so what and is he doing? Well, a lot of times he's not doing much, which is kind of important, you know? You know, like, I'll tell you what he's not doing. Three check turns before the next <laughs> turn. You know what I mean? Three yeah. little, eh, eh, three little checky bottom turns. You look at Taylor. Taylor's just going bottom turn, power arc, bottom turn, power arc. So between the two turns, there's not a lot of repositioning and, oh, got to check. You know, it's just, it's kind of buttery, you know, between the turns. And that space and time, uh, it's like melted butter. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Melted butter. So is it strictly for style or does it set up the bottom turn and the top turn better? Yes. You know, yes. The answer is yes. That's what it does. It's for style and it sets those things up. Okay. And yeah. Um, I'm going to, I mean, we talk about the in-between all the time and what yeah. you do or don't do in transition. I've never heard it explained in the sense of space and time. And I'm wondering, I want to I want Taylor to do a deep dive into it. It sounds more metaphysical than just. Well, uh, I might be butchering it. Maybe I, th I thought it was space and time, but maybe. It's well, you might know it. It makes perfect sense. But it, I'm saying I would think that Taylor's, this sounds like it has a medical, phys metaphysical element to it, you know, because you could talk about space and time with quantum scientists and there's, and that relates. I mean, and when you do talk about that with them, they talk about how, you know, um, land that has had a war on it has this negative energy attached to it versus land that had a wedding on it, or this water that has the word love written on it is different than the water that has the word hate written on it. And so it goes way, way deeper. And I'm curious, I'd, I'd love to hear Taylor do a deep dive. He seems like the kind of guy who would know who would too. Yeah. He's into know. yoga and meditation and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I think it's more just like, you know, not that deep. I think it's more about on the surface, you know, and I, but it's interesting that you bring this up because I do think that on some level, if you're just standing still between turns, like, you know, like not amping your arms or doing check, you know, just if you're more or less in a, in a place of stasis, um, you're really present. You know what I mean? You're really present. In other words, if I'm doing something with my arms and my legs, I'm thinking about what I got to be doing next in my next turn rather than being in that moment. And so I'm not saying suggesting to you that Taylor is suggesting that, but I'm just saying that what you just brought up made me think about the guys that are really present in the now, in the present when they're riding waves, generally have good style. And they're generally those types of people that you mentioned, like the Rob Machados or the Tom Kearns that are sort of have sort of, a, I, I don't know, like a vibe or, you know, like a, yeah, you know, like a new age thing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm into it. Um, 
you know, the, I mean, the fastest way through water always is just with minimal motion, you know? And so that makes sense, even though you're not in the water in the example that you're giving, I think it still applies. The more chaos you create, the more resistance you create. Well, you know, what was really cool too about this trip is that I went down there without boards because Bugs has got a bunch of boards down there. The owner of the resort, he's got a like, you know, hundred boards down there and they're all trippy, like kind of, they're not, you know, there's a bunch of everything. Right. So I rode, um, like for instance, I rode PT Peter Townend's winning board from the 1980 Caton. You've probably seen it. It's an asymmetrical, it's a single fin, but it's got an asymmetrical twin fin. And so it's actually a twin fin, but it's got a single fin and then it's super asymmetrical. And of course, for 1980s boards, you can imagine it was really boxy, probably three and a quarter inches thick at the thickest point. You know, I had sort of a sink, you know, late 70s singles fin outline. So I rode that. That was a lot of fun. Um, I rode a Channel Islands fish beard. I rode, um, I rode a Rob Machado fish you know like the first fish they came out with what was that one called i forget not the seaside but the twin fin from ci or from firewire from from uh firewire go fish maybe the go fish but it wasn't a firewire it was a custom made one got it that was a really cool board um i read one of alex nost's board alex nost had this maybe like five eight and it had a long board nose so think like a 22 inch wide round nose and then pulled in hips to a four fin kind of a thumb tail. Hmm. And the front fins were bonzer fins, like the long bonzer fins were the two front fins. And then the back fins were just normal, you know, three and three quarter, four inch back fins. And it was, an, you know, generally speaking, as I described it, it's kind of an ugly board, you know, when you think about it, like, you know, a big bulbous nose. It was thin, though. But that board was insane. Like that was probably wow. the ugliest board I rode, but it was, I was really psyched on it. Like it had a lot of mojo. And, and would, did yeah. he shape it himself? I think he did. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Interesting. And what else did I ride? Oh, well, the best board I rode was one of Taylor's boards. In fact, I probably rode it too much. He was pretty generous with me. I kept going, hey, uh, can I ride that one more time? And it was a Chris Borst four fin fish called a slim fish and this board was insane like super Mm. good it reminded me of my old Hinson fish where it had enough of a wide area up in the nose that it kind of carried speed you didn't have to do anything in space and time you could just stand there and the board would plane but when you were when the wave kicked up and you're ready to go you could get into action and start moving the board around and but it also had just enough of a pulled in nose to not be real kind of bulbous and fish like in the nose. It had a really cool outline, like I said, reminded me of uh, my Henson fish that I rode forever. And it was fast, man. It was it fast. And it, it was just one of those boards where you're like, okay, time, you know, you could downshift it into second gear and go and then throw it into third gear and you were off and running. And then you could throw it into fourth gear and just be flying. And it was just super responsive. And that board. I actually, I'm like, Taylor, I, I want one of these boards, like order oh, me. Yeah. Like, so I even reached out to Chris Boris, like literally like driving home from the airport. I'm like on Instagram going, I love this board. Want to order one right away. What do I, you know, can I Venmo you? You know, like, 
And he's like, yeah, but let me see. I wonder if he's gotten back to me. But but that was really generous of Taylor to let me ride that board so much. But he was stoked. He had all sorts of boards. He's like, ride it, you know. But That's awesome. You know how that can be, though. Sometimes somebody's like, yeah, go ahead, ride it. But under their breath, they're like, oh, fuck. Totally. But he had he'd had this board for a couple of years, I think. So it wasn't like a new board that he was trying to figure out or anything like that. Did you find any free scrubbers? No, but how great is that movie when he just goes, a scrubber, a free scrubber. <laughs> well, that's that's the Bugs connection that listeners might not have identified. But on that trip, uh, on that in that film, Kern's down there with Bugs, right? Yeah, and Bugs makes a little cameo, and yep. they were stuck down there for three months because of COVID. They just, and uh, yeah, so it was a really fun trip. Just three days, hit and split. It was just kind of like the perfect thing. There was nobody around, you know. What a nice way to break up California cold water winter, too. I really needed it because I was getting into this, like, winter kind of fat bod. Like, you know, like I, I came back just feeling rocked up and ready to go, you know. Totally. And um, of course, I've been cooking all day. That hasn't. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> slide right back into your sloth, yeah. slovenly ways. Pe- um, peppermint Milanos from freaking. <laughs> uh, what's that cookie company that makes those Milanos? Pepperidge Farm. Yeah, Pepperidge Farm Peppermint Milanos. I'm taking a break I, from Lorna Dan. Poor Lorna, you know. <laughs> Lorna's your summer cookie. The mint Milanos, the winter cookie. Oh my God, those mint Milanos are pretty good. They're thinner, man. They're thinner. But I will say this, I'm big on the AG1, man. I've been, I've been pounding the AG1 athletic greens. I'm a big fan. I'd, I actually take it on trips with me as well, um, just to have some semblance of consistency to my diet. Taylor had this interesting stuff. What was it? Let me see if I can find it. All these guys have this, their own little secret sauce, you know? And um, totally. took a picture of it, but it's, it's some like protein powder that you add to coffee that he's an investor in i wish i could remember the name of it but it was really good and um you know gave you a little power power boost uh quick follow-up from last week did you ever watch the pete mel documentary i did i watched it right after what a great great documentary what's what's the name of it everything and all good job was that in your notes no wow okay anybody would remember it yeah, there you go. AG1 working it. So what'd you think of the doc? I thought it was great. I really did. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the heck out of it, you know? Good. Um, I'm a big fan of of his and the honesty. You know, that's the thing. Like, that's all we want as as fans of documentaries is, is truth and honesty. And I, that came out. Um, and, um, you know, there, there's a lot of vulnerability there for him. And, and that takes... Uh, some humility and and i also think that 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 strengthens you as a man when you when you show vulnerability and you have humility and um and that wave that ride i mean that it's just a great story arc you know what i mean like it's just you couldn't script it any better than hey let's say at the end of the movie this guy catches the best wave ever ridden at mavericks like it's just it's great you know even beyond that, I don't know. It might have been after the credits. Pete Mel, or his son John Mel, yeah. gets that left, yeah. and it's basically like a barrel. It's a pocket ride kind of. But um, 
Pete's on the ski filming it on his iPhone and even says, he's like, oh my gosh, like what a day. I think that might've been the same day that Pete got his wave. Yeah, Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, Pete's really the story beyond Pete is bigger than Pete and it's his dad and it's his son. And Pete's just one segment in this ongoing, you know, family saga. And the fact that John is picking up right where Pete left off in terms of surfing is epic. And, you know, Pete has a brother that's a a shaper. He's on Kauai. He's a really renowned, sought-after, big-wave, you know, surfboard shaper. What's his name? I think it's Dave. But I'm not positive. I think it's David Mel. I have no idea how I never connected that dot. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I liked it, too. Listeners can go get it on Stab. I think it's on Stab Premium. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. um well hey the nazare event there's two is this part of the big wave world tour because this is a toe event that is dave mel um i don't know so like this this kind of reeks of what we talked about last time i don't i don't even really know i just know the wsl's broadcasting it (laughs) not only not only do i not know uh it's hard to even find out who a winner was of the event you know like it's, it almost doesn't matter in a sense. Um, it's just a great exhibition to put on it. In the end, I really don't care who won and who didn't win, but the fact that it's a toe event makes me feel like it is an exhibition event and it's not part of the big wave world tour, because how could you have a paddle contest and a toe contest, uh, uh, for the, you know, there's two events on tour and they're both different disciplines essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, I mean, what we do know is that talk about the cream rising to the top. You know, like we talk about, you know, on the CT, there's the top five and then there's everyone else. Totally. That seems to be the case with this, these tow teams at, at Nazare. And I'm, I'm not an expert, but the vibe I got, and I actually watched some of this live. In fact, uh, or no, maybe I, I didn't watch it live. I watched it, a condensed heat, but I watched the first heat, the very first wave. Lucas Chumbo catches his bomb, does this. I don't even know what you call those, David. Chop hop. Chop hop. Does a chop hop at the top of the wave. This insane, long, drawn out bottom turn pulls into this incredible top section. I mean, it's like, okay, you guys, everyone else, good luck. Try to beat that. Like, it was mind blowing. Like, immediately right off the bat, you're like, these guys are on their game right now. They don't need a warm up wave, they don't need any of that BS. Lucas Chumbo was just on it, like Chumbo, just, and then it, from there, it was like, okay, that's the guy. Then you would watch other parts, other rides, and you're like, no, boring as shit. Just show me Chumbo. That guy's doing insane shit. So Chumbo is, um, his, this is a team event because right. obviously it's a toe event. So his partner is Kai Lenny. Kai did the same thing on his right. He did the chop hop. He didn't end up getting barreled, but it's like they both had that, as a plan of attack beforehand where, Hey, once you're towed into the wave, you have eight seconds to 10 seconds before the thing actually starts breaking. So what do you do in that time? Let's utilize that time. Let's do a chop up. Let's wow. Everybody turns out to be an easy maneuver to do. It looks really spectacular when you're on a wave that size, but it's any, anybody out there could do it, you know, um, with one day of practice. They weren't. They didn't even think about, you know, I don't think it crossed anybody's minds. I think Kai and Chumbo 
have that plan in advance. Let's go dazzle them. When you partner it up with a barrel, that makes it way sicker. Um, but I'm I really felt, another one. Yeah, I really felt like it was almost more of a, I don't know, like a novelty, the chop hop thing. Uh, I don't know. It's let spectacular me, looking, but well, it's let me, really uh, kind let me of throw novelty. this at you. Let me throw this at you. How about the chop hop is actually a way to stall? When you think about it, yeah, you're up in the is. air, you're losing speed. Like, you know, you're, you're slowing down. You do that thing, you stop, you're at a dead stop. And it's kind of a stall tactic because they're like wanting to, they want to stay up at the top of the wave as long as they can until that thing gets, you know, I don't know. I'm just wondering if it's not just, it wouldn't surprise me if it's like, Hey man, this is the best way to stay at the top. Just kind of hang out up here. Just a functional use of space and time. Oh, there you go. So you're right. So this is the, when you said the cream rises to the top, these guys won two years in a row. Um, they're undeniable. There's and Kai, I think, is the wonderkin. But the fact that he chooses, he could partner with anybody. The fact that he chooses to partner with Chumbo says something. And I feel like Chumbo, uh, Lucas Chianca is his name, has been over. I don't know. I don't know that he's been overlooked. He doesn't get all the glory that Kai Lenny has. I don't think he has all the sponsor support or anything like that. But his name constantly comes up. I remember Garrett McNamara talking about him throughout the 100 foot wave documentary, obviously Kai Lenny, everybody hypes the guy. So it's kind of nice to see him, you know, participating in the win. Wasn't he at the Jaws event too, doing like super late drops? Yeah. Like doing the floaty takeoff. Yeah. The floaty takeoff. That's exactly right. Like letting the board catch air underneath the nose. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah, He's really pretty. uh, What's the word? spectacular in his antics you know like he's a good showman yeah essentially but he's talented obviously um there's a number of things worth discussing about this event they're riding small boards obviously by the way i looked it up on wsl's website it is part of the big wave world tour okay so um if you click on that tour there's only two events the jaws quicksilver jaws which has not run yet and then the Nazare event. I don't remember it being listed as a toe event previously. So maybe they make that decision kind of at game time at any rate. Um, so a couple of things worth discussing. The swell was scheduled to be bigger. I think it might've been bigger on the day that they didn't run, but it was too foggy. So they had to wait. And now it ran on uh, Sunday in California, basically in 20 to 30 foot surf which is absolutely contestable and big. There was plenty of um, opportunities for everybody, but it wasn't, you know, uh, the biggest Nazare we've ever seen. It certainly wasn't the hundred foot kind of opportunity that everybody's looking for now. There was a couple of spectacular wipeouts. Um, Kai Lenny himself, did you see his wipeout on the right in front of the cliff? Yeah, it was insane. He was going so fast. I mean, just Mach 1 speed. I think that might have been, he might have done a chop up on that wave too. But he's just flying through the inside section of that wave so fast and he kind of manages a bump or two. But then he goes down in front of the cliff and thankfully gets washed just north of the cliff. And then it's pure pandemonium with skis trying to get him. I think one ski actually flipped. Chumbo tries to rescue him, flips. That gets washed into the beach. Somebody else comes in. Before they actually get rescued, they're close enough to shore to where they can kind of um, get to safety. But 
chaotic scenes in the water. Yeah, Chumbo jammed in there to pick him up, did pick him up, and then tried to, you know, as they put the gas on the ski, they um, kind of spun out, caught a rail a little bit, and some foam on the on the very corner of a wave that was breaking, and that's all she wrote. Chumbo, it was a spectacular rescue, actually, because there was a left coming at them. Chumbo gets the arm onto Kai and pulls him up onto the sled and guns it kind of in a fast stand-up section on the left. It's like he's surfing the wave almost. Yeah. And yeah, they, like you said, they kind of tried to kind of cut. Yeah. Yeah. Tried to cut out of the wave and kind of caught a rail and fully took a digger. Chumbo goes over the handlebars. And then of course the wave flips the ski Kai's on the back on the sled and goes over with it. Really, really spectacular. Actually wipe out scary though. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was intense. I've, so my question throughout this event is, well, let me back up. Considering what people are doing nowadays in big waves, it's shocking that there aren't more deaths. Um, when I was growing up watching surfing in the nineties, it seemed like every other year or so there was, um, I mean, Donnie Solomon, Mark Fu, Todd Chesser at big wave spots. Why mostly in Hawaii, or I guess Fu is at Mavericks, but big wave surfing, there was always, the threat. And then every couple of years, something would actually go down. I feel like for the past decade, records are getting set. You know, there's just crazier and crazier surfing happening and everybody's surviving. There was obviously Maya Gaviera's near-death drowning at Nazare. There was uh, the the ski accident last year, Alex Patello's ski accident. Yeah. All of this made me think after watching this Nazare event, I think the reason why there's been fewer deaths is because there's water safety in place. That makes perfect sense. But I think that that actually might be the culprit at Nazare eventually. I feel like the death or the injury is going to come because of all these skis. When you watch, I think they need to be out there at Nazare, but that is what is creating the most dramatic moments. Are these skis zooming in into crazy sections in the whitewash in front of the cliff sputtering out because it's all foamy flipping over the ski landing on somebody you know like that's what happened with alex patello is him him, i think it was him hitting the ski is what knocked him out and then with kai lenny going over the falls on that wave on the sled it's like dude if that's the wave you guys have survived the wave you've proven that a million times but if you get hit by that ski nobody's surviving that you know yeah that's a really interesting take but it's kind of like what are you going to do i mean you and i've spoken at length about the ski drivers at Nazare are almost in more peril than the surfers. Like, like those guys, like what they're doing is it could be argued is gnarlier than actually letting go of the rope and riding down the thing and raising your hand and going, come pick me up. Those guys are getting you into the wave, dealing with all sorts of shit, following you, looking behind their back. You know, it, it's just a, to be a ski driver at Nazare, I, I, I just there, there deserves to be some sort of like, you know, when they have the XXL awards or whatever, there needs to be some sort of recognition for these guys on some level. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. But certainly it's it's not like driving a ski, you know, anywhere, anywhere else in the world. Nazare is just no. gnarly. It's it's crazy. And there's so many out there now. I mean, when there's 
six teams in the water, you know, that's six skis plus probably a few safety skis. I feel like it's a recipe for disaster and you can't see the entire lineup from water level. So you could be flying in for a rescue or flying over a wave, trying to escape a situation. There could be another team right out in the landing zone, you know, for where you're coming down. I really feel like, I mean, obviously, like you said, these are the best drivers in the world. And so who am I to criticize or question, but I really feel like it's a accident waiting to happen kind of, and we've already had close calls with it. Um, the most <laughs> insane thing I think from the event was that team France, Justine DuPont on the sled with her yeah. uh, partner, Pierre Rollet driving. And he does that crazy floater on the ski. Did you see that? I don't think I saw that. Holy cow, dude. I'm going to send it right now because you have to watch it while we're talking. Um, it's like he's headed out the back with her on the back, on the back of the sled, almost like he just picked her up from a rescue and they're kind of on the inside. Um, and so he's like gunning straight out, but then has to turn because a wave's coming and he actually hits the crest of the wave and does a full on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did see that. I did see that. That was insane. And actually lands it for a split second before he he tries to gun out of it. And then they both flip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a proper floater on like an eight foot wave that was like Holy pitching. Crap. I just sent it to you if you want to look at your phone. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was mind blowing. That's an eight foot inside section that he just fully does a, a proper floater on. It's insane. That's so I don't mind. know that he could have done anything else there. You know, that that's just how much chaos is in the water. There was no other option for him. <laughs> this guy. Oh my lordy. Well, I mean, they both survived. So good for how, you know, so my question, I guess to you is, did he make a mistake? Is he a kook or is that, was that his only option at that moment? You know what I mean? (laughs) And if these are the best guys in the world, then there's that much chaos, then it's bound to something bad is bound to happen. Something, something bad is going to happen. I mean, if we keep pushing the envelope, it's just, you know, unfortunate, but that's kind of what pushes the envelope, right? Or these situations that, these guys are young or athletic or doing crazy stuff. And eventually it's going to catch up to us. Um, hopefully not in too sad of a situation, but you know, you're right. It's, it's going to just a matter of time before somebody dies via ski. The, one of the highlights of the events was Pedro Scooby's 9.5. Did you see that wave? I don't think I saw that. So he's um, Nick Von Rupp's toe partner. Yeah. He's from Brazil. He's a goofy footer from Brazil. He gets a big stand-up barrel um, on a left. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. It wasn't the, you know, if you get that, uh, the wave way outside, it's kind of burgery. This one was kind of pushing up more against the cliff. So it really stood up. So it wasn't, you know, the 60 foot face wave. It was more of like a proper 20, 25, which is still huge to get barreled on. Yeah. But where Lucas Chumbo's chop hop to barrel was like a little almondy pocket ride at the top of the wave. Yeah. This was more of like a top to bottom 20 footer. And um, yeah, totally sick. He got a nine five for it. So it spectacular. That's cool. Yeah. With the name like Pedro Scooby, <laughs> it's a great name, isn't it? Pedro, he should be like a ball player. Like he sounds like a baseball player or something. Yeah, I Pedro think Scooby's Scooby. his nickname, but I forget what his last name is. I remember Scooby. him coming through Huntington Beach one time with that whole 
crew, like the Nike 6.0 days, um, Gabriel Medina, Felipe Toledo, um, who else? There was a couple of other guys that were super hot at that time. And he was part of that crew. And I was like, this guy, he can barely surf. Like he's hanging <laughs> with him. He's partying with them. He's, uh, you know, at night hooking up with chicks or whatever. And he just was not a great surfer. And then it, throughout the years, I realized he's got a big wave. He's all focused on big waves. Yeah. So I didn't know that at the time. And it wasn't too impressive in small Huntington. Scooby-Doo. Um, so he actually won the best performance, I think, due to that 9.5. The scoring works a little bit different in this format. They um, You get two waves, but the best of the two waves gets doubled. And so that 9.5 times two shot him out into the lead. The best women's performance went to Justine DuPont. Yeah. Um, who, again, you said the cream rises to the top. She's kind of untouchable Yeah. Um, in these events. I'd, I'd throw Paige Alms into the conversation if we're at Jaws, but otherwise Justine DuPont has kind of risen above everybody else. The best team performance was the aforementioned Kai Lenny and Lucas Chianca. And then the most committed award went to Pedro Scooby, probably again for that barrel. Yeah, most committed. It, it says here, um, yeah, most committed, yeah. Well, I think the yeah. one of the highlights for me is um, – the fact that they are riding shorter boards because it's a tow event, they're ripping not only chop ops, but they're doing turns too. I'm watching some of the highlights right now. I've watched some of it earlier, but holy mackerel. I mean, it's funny. There's a pretty good article. I, I think Brendan Buckley or one of the guys on stab wrote a pretty good article about how we've all sort of come to accept Nazare as like the pinnacle, you know, where for years it was like, yeah, oh, it's a yeah. burger. It's kind Paul of a Evans. burger. It's kind of like, Paul is that Evans even a wave? Huh? I think Paul Evans maybe wrote that. Okay, yeah, Paul Evans, yeah. And it was a really good look at the way that, you know, we, us, the consumer and or the media or social media in this case, has sort of, you know, it's evolved to a place where we're like, yeah, Nazare, that's, that's where you're going to ride the 100-foot wave, you know, or for a long time for whatever reason. And he names, he kind of does a really good job of excavating you know, oh, it's Garrett, whatever, you know, like everything was kind of taken with a grain of salt. And and then, you know, people started getting in crazy situations like Maya and more and Andrew Cotton got these incredible work. And there was these Guinness Book of Waves and and the town itself was doing a great job of marketing themselves. And um, eventually, you know, you got these pretty crazy kind of like water eyes view um, from a from a photographer of Dorian paddling into the wave that and and it, that then everyone showed up long and twiggy and all these guys all like legitimate validated and legitimized the wave and they had a paddle event there and now it's kind of like and I even heard I was at Jojo Roper's getting some dings fixed the other day and he was like let's bring back the paddle event there you know like and and I I mean that's I think you know too I think Greg Long or some those paddle guys will tell you that's the gnarliest oh, yeah. paddle situation ever. Even if there's skis in the water, because you got like yeah. a 10, 10 beach yeah. break, 40 foot beach break with a, you know, like it's just a nightmare to have a 10, 10 being dragged behind you as you get picked up by a ski and you're about to get mauled by 40 feet of white water. Um, do you still feel like the waves a burger? It, it very much can be and very much is often, but um, there's, you know, they were saying in the article, they've kind of got the swell direction figured out, yeah. the winds figured out so that 
you know, it's going to either be burglary or, you know what, this thing's going to hit the canyon right. It's going to stand upright and the winds are this. And, you know, it's, as I recall, help me out. When we watched the paddle event that they had there, were we excited about it or were we like, eh, whatever? I don't recall, to be honest. Um, uh, that article that you're talking about, though, the the opening image, the header image at the top of the article that's shot from the town. Yeah. So like from the South looking North where you can see the point and there's just a freaking 40 foot a frame. That's like actually fully barreling is such a crazy photo and really, you know, makes it not look like a burger. That wave certainly was not a burger. Um, well, that I light it, that rolls into the rock. And from that angle, that right looks like the gnarliest back door. Like it stands exactly. up, like it's insane. But the left's kind of semi-burgery. But from that vantage, from the town looking north, looking into that right, it, it's it's a great photograph. Well, those are the rights that Kai Lenny's always aiming for. And what that's why he's winning events. Um, and I think that's the key out there is your tow team needs to be looking for the waves that are doubling up and not you know, the giant peak out the back that's going to burger and you can't even outrun that burger anyways, you know? So it's, it's not even worth going on those, even if it technically might look bigger from certain angles. Um, yeah, the rights, right's short and sweet and powerful. Well, speak, speaking of yeah. the right, uh, two days prior to the event, did you see Andrew Cotton's wipeout that went viral? No, you got this another wipeout. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> This was crazy. This was actually the wipeout itself wasn't bad, but he got washed into the cliff. Ooh. So that that's what was bad. Um, I'll, I'll actually just quote, I'll give you Andrew's words. He said, I was surfing being towed by Almeo. Uh, he got me into a couple of waves. The conditions were kind of crappy, the odd gem, kind of bumpy, big and fat. I took a right and he did a normal rescue and then a big side wedge came off the cliff, which we negotiated, but we were going quite fast and the ski ended up getting a lot of air. I was lying on the sled while he was driving. We landed pretty normal, but he got bounced off the ski. So I'm lying on the sled with no driver. And I was like, crap. So I scrambled up to the ski and it was still running. I saw El Mayo. So I, and then I saw there was another wave coming at us and it looked like it was going to land right on us. And I was like, shoot, I've got to go. So he grabbed, I guess Almeo grabbed the sled and I pinned it and just started flying. Everything happened so quickly. He fell off. Um, I could see that there was a gap straight ahead and that the only thing I could do was gas it and drive straight, hoping that I make it, but I got clipped. So oh. after Andrew, Andrew fell off on a wave, got rescued, he got on the ski, the driver fell off, Andrew climbs up, picks up the other guy, guns it, and then they both fall off. They were so while Andrew, the way that he was trying to rescue us, he was in that cove on the north side of the lighthouse and he was aiming towards the lighthouse. Like basically a wave was coming at them that was a right. So it, rather than going towards the whitewash, he went towards the open face, trying to make that narrow gap between the cliff and where the wave is breaking. Right. And he gets clipped. So now he's in front of the lighthouse, in front of the cliff without a rescue, without a ski to rescue him, flailing. Does he go um, towards the town? Like Yes. Well, the that's rocks towards the, the town? 
Yeah. So the current will, when you're in that position, it'll push you that way. And the current was moving really, really fast. Thankfully, there wasn't another set wave out the back. So somebody actually filmed this on their iPhone from the cliff. And um, you can see there's no waves coming, but there's still just tons and tons of water moving. You know, it's a full like uh, rinse cycle in there, but it's all froth. You know, there's a three feet of froth. And so Andrew was saying, you know, um, the water was so aerated that he couldn't kind of get any traction at all. He was just completely at the mercy of the ocean and he got washed up. So there's a number of different large rocks sticking up. And of course it's all rocks underneath. There was a number of times where he got washed up onto the rocks and then just washed right back down. And thankfully (laughs) he never got slammed into them with like brute force, but he was definitely like pushed entirely up against them. Maybe with a little cushion of watery, airy water. Um, And then through a couple of big surges, he got pushed to the south side of the cliff. And interestingly, that's where the ski ended up being as well. And it was flipped over. So he was able to get back to the ski. Later that day, they took it into Yamaha and it turned out there was just some water in the air filter that they were able to clear out. So he still has the ski as well. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. Getting pushed towards the south. Yeah. he. I mean, he really just like does a pinball thing through the rocks and you're just watching his body. It looks lifeless, you know, cause he's not able to swim or anything. And you're just watching him from the bird's eye angle, getting pushed around and then finally just pushed out into the clear. So really harrowing moment. No, I'm glad he's okay. Like, he seems like such a great guy. I'm sure he is a good guy because what you see is what you get, right? That HBO documentary, he really comes off as a cool dude. I actually interviewed him for the podcast a few months, actually when that HBO documentary was airing and he's just so humble, mild mannered, soft spoken, just wants to surf big waves, you know, like kind of is not what you need to be. You need to be like such a showman and selling your own stuff in this modern era. Yeah. You know, back in the day, somebody could have Patagonia, I don't know, quick. So anybody would have just come and picked him up and exploited him and he wouldn't have to do anything you know a la craig anderson was kind of that personality dane reynolds was that personality and uh but now it's like if you're not selling yourself you're not selling anything and so yeah i feel like he could actually have double the publicity that he has he's just too humble he's like an electrician from cornwall that surfs big waves plumber he's a plumber yeah that's even better as a totally. better trade he's a plumber uh, well, congrats to the winners. Congrats to everybody at that event. Uh, congrats to the survivalists. And, Let me ask you this. Uh, when, it was it was, success. when it was on live, um, were you geared up and psyched to be watching it? Or were you not, bummed that you were missing it? Or were you like, whatever, I'll watch the condensed? Option C. I did not. Yeah. Wasn't too excited. Did I was actually home. I had electronic devices all around me. I did not open one of them once to watch any of it uh, because I'd rather watch the condensed version and yeah. it worked out fine for me. Yeah, me too. The condensed version's pretty good. Yeah, I thought so too. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Hell yeah. Whoop.com promo code is the word surf. You get a free Whoop 4.0 strap and 15% off your membership when you use our promo code SURF. 
4.0, like my age, 4.0. And what is Whoop, Scott? What does it mean to you? How has it affected your life? Well, look, the Whoop 4.0 is really, for me, the best part about it is the sleep, like the ability to gauge my sleep, which I don't seem to be getting very much of. It does a lot of cool things, but for me, I, I really like, you know, it monitoring my sleep and where I'm at with that. And it's a digital fitness tracker. It is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The 4.0 version is John, John Florence uses it. Uh, Nathan Florence has been using it. And although it's a tr fitness tracker, it's really designed around the concept of recovery. And so it's important to not just monitor your exertion, but also monitor what's going on at night and how well you're sleeping and your body's processing all of that and recovering, and then apply it to your workout. Yeah. The 4.0 basically tells me, Hey, today's a recovery day or today you can go full 110% or today, maybe just go 80%, whatever the case may be. And, uh, it's, it's a powerful tool for people like me and you that are living, you know, aggressive lifestyles. The cool thing about the 4.0 strap is that it is smaller, sleeker. It is a biometric tracker. So it sits on your wrist, but it, uh, is so small that it actually fits under your wetsuit. So you can wear it 24 hours a day. It um, measures skin temperature, blood oxygen, much, much more. All of that information gets sent to your phone. So the device itself doesn't have a screen. There's no buttons. There's no annoying notifications, but you can open up the app on your phone and it has all of your vitals. Super important information that you could then share with a physician, a coach, a personal trainer. It's just automatically collecting that data 24-7, whether you're working or sleeping. So whoop.com is the website, W-H-O-O-P, and then use our promo code, which is the word SURF, and you will get 15% off your membership and a free Whoop 4.0 strap. Right on, Whoop 4.0. Whoop.com promo code SURF. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The other news that dropped out of Stab Magazine this week was that uh, Jack Robinson is their new Stab in the Dark writer. Oh, I didn't see that on Stab. That's interesting. I've got Stab here. I'm a premium member. What did I miss? Well, yeah, it's actually only available to premium right now. They said they're going to announce it next week with a little video to the general public. But um, I think that's a great pick. You know, the Stab in the Dark feature is obviously they get 13 short boards. They don't tell the shaper who the surfer is. They tell them the height, the weight, the dimensions that that surfer normally rides. And um, the shapers just build what they feel is the best high performance short board. Then those boards get delivered to the surfer completely anonymously. There's no identifying marks or characteristics on the board. So Jack Robinson surfs the 13 boards blind so to speak, double blind, and then uh, picks a winner, narrows it down, picks a winner. Usually they go to uh, some exotic location to test the board in good waves. They said that they're going to an island in the Pacific for this test. And uh, I think Jack's a fantastic surfer to put through hmm. this challenge. We'll see. You know, I think, as you know, it's more to it than being a fantastic surfer. I would suggest it's almost more important to be a fantastic communicator. And you and I have spoken about this at length. There's a lot of guys that can ride boards really well, but there's not a lot of guys that can communicate effectively in an, in an engaging manner um, and tell us, you know, about the boards. And frankly, Taj was great. You yeah. know, like Taj is a tough act to follow. He kind of had a devil may care. I don't give a shit kind of vibe where, Jack's still young enough. He doesn't want to piss anyone off, you know. True. I, you know, so we'll see. You know, he, at the end of the day, he is in Australia. The Aussies sometimes won't hold back because they're brutally honest in some regard, which is a blessing. So Jack, though, he's so soft-spoken. Um, even when he's winning, he like that Mexico event, he won. And I feel like he didn't really say... 10 words throughout all of his post heat interviews, you know, like there was very little enthusiasm and he seems nice and he seems articulate and well-spoken. He's just a man, of few words. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can get it out of him. I guess if they're on a surf trip, he's with the same group of people. Hopefully that those producers can soften him up after day one or two, and he'll start letting it flow, but remains Island to be seen. in the Pacific. Where, where, where are we doing this? Ponape? I have no idea. You'd want rippable. You don't want just barreling waves. You know, you yeah. want to have some rippable waves. So, hmm. yeah. by the way, I um, remember last time we were like, what do you think in September they have the event at Barra? 
And I'm hearing through the grapevine that that's going to be the case. Oh, okay, good. But again, it's just sort of parking lot fodder, but um, it's Mexico fodder, maybe. No, well, yeah, I did hear it in Mexico, but not from from Taylor. I heard it sort of just through other channels, but yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. fair. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I did. I would think that would be good too. Speaking yeah. of a contest, look the HIC Pipe Pro. That's the event we were wondering about last time. I was like, I think there's a pipe event. Oh yeah, happening, yeah. and there is, but it's not even a challenger. It's a QS one thousand. Holy guacamole! The QS one thousand. The waiting period was December eighth through the twentieth, which is the normal pipe permit waiting period. And um, they, they were on hold today, and I guess it hasn't been that great. Um, but I'm seeing here that it looks like they're gonna. It's gonna be six to eight to ten feet Friday and Saturday, with it fading away on Sunday the nineteenth, all within the waiting period. A northwest swell, um, and I think they've been getting a lot of north swells, a northeast trade swell, but that might be why it, there's a sense of, like, oh, the waves aren't as good as a normal pipe event. But like I said, they're looking, they're staring down some um, pretty solid northwest swell here for this weekend if they can hang on. I mean, is that going to be the first uh, thousand one-star event or whatever? Um that like Kelly Slater and John John compete in and Gabriel Medina. I mean, I would think everybody would show up to that, right? Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if I would hope that those guys aren't even allowed to surf in it, but um, it says here, Barry Mamiya, Mason Ho, Ian Gentile, yeah. Eli Hanneman, Billy Kemper, Keanu Singh. Everybody um, wants to surf pipe with, very few with three other guys out like i could see everybody showing up for that oh they are saying yeah there's going to be john john ezekiel ima kalani devault and more so i don't know where i can see the full breakdown but yeah all the heavy hitters who wouldn't want to be there um, i'll be watching so i wasn't tuned in to nazare but i'll definitely be watching that event i'm not uh, even sure if they're if they're broadcasting it they must <laughs> that'd be, be a shame. they must be yeah, that'd be a total, total miss if they didn't. Um, I don't, we've kind of alluded to this and talked about it maybe off air, but haven't had this conversation formally on air. But do you have thoughts on um, how vaccine protocol is going to affect the 2022 tour? I think there's, I think there's going to, I think we're not done with this. I don't think we're done with this. I think this is going to be a problem. I think this is going to be um, something that we're going to be dealing with. I think COVID's hanging around and we know it is in Europe. They're in lockdown in Australia. They're in lockdown in South Africa, lockdown. And um, even here in the States, the state of California has just issued a, a mask mandate. You have to Re wear a mask indoors. Returning to mask mandate starting, starting tomorrow, tomorrow, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which we uh, haven't had for how many months? I don't know. And I nine months, a year, maybe? It's been a while. It's, it's such a weird thing because you know you just get the feeling people aren't going to do it. I think people are generally there's just so much. What's the word I'm looking for? COVID. Um 
lethargy. No, when you're tired. Fatigue. When, fatigue. Thank you. COVID fatigue. And uh, yeah, I don't know. So, but I mean, you can't go into a store without a mask on. So as it relates to the tour, yes. let's say Australia requires vaccines. Yes. Kelly, Kelly Slater has been pretty vocal, vocally anti-vax. Yes. Um, he's all but said that he won't get a vax. Gabriel Medina has said that he does not want to get vaxxed. So those, I mean, Gabriel Medina, especially as, as the defending world champ, not being able to go to Australia creates a really compelling uh, situation. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, it's their choice. You know, you don't have to get vaxxed. That's fine. And, you know, we'll, we'll see who the champion is. It certainly won't be Gabe Medina. It won't be Kelly. I mean, isn't this, I mean, didn't Kelly say he was going to retire when Parco said he was going to retire? Remember there was like that, like Parco's yeah. like retiring and Kelly's like me too. And then, do you remember that like a couple of years ago? Yeah. I remember him saying it a bunch of times. I've stopped keeping track. The point is Kelly's not going to win a world title. I mean, again, but I mean, I would I, say. what I'm getting at is don't you sense that if there wasn't any like COVID nightmare, if everything was back to normal, Kelly probably would be like, okay, this is my swan song, you know, and go I have out. No idea. I, I have know, no idea I, what to expect from him. Well, um, but I, anyway, the vaccine thing's interesting. I could see Kelly. I don't know if this was what you were getting at, but him um, not getting a vax would be more important to him. Like holding his ground on that on that uh, front would be more important to him than going to compete in Australia. So I could see him not getting the vax, but I could see Gabriel Medina compromising his own um, decision because the world title is more important. Didn't he say something like he was thinking about not competing this year, though? Yeah, you're right. He did. He told Brazilian media that he'd be happy to take a year off because he's been at such an intense level for so long. So this could be that's a great possible storyline is that Gabriel Medina sits out COVID year number two to take. Wow. A break. No, Gabe. And. That's interesting for Ila and for Felipe and for John, 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 John. Right. I wonder yeah. where do these people stand on getting vaccinated? They have not been vocal about it. Yeah, they're smart. I'll tell you, and I've told everyone, I am fully vaccinated. I got my booster before it was the cool thing to do. You've heard the story. And I said, line it up. I'll snort that thing. You know, I don't I put so much shit in my body. Are you kidding me? This is just, this stuff's at least been vetted. Yeah. There's people ODing on fentanyl. They're worried about vaccines. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you gotten COVID? Have you gotten COVID? No. Okay. Yeah. Me neither. Good. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Well, um, my, uh, must-see moment is, of course, the jet ski floater heard around the world. That is the most spectacular. I've used the word spectacular like 20 times in this show, but it's because it was the Nazare event. What What else can you do? Yeah. Uh, I'll bring a thesaurus with me next Yeah, time. we need another word. Sorry. Uh, but it was. Yeah. That was the best floater I've ever seen. It was the most radical jet ski maneuver I've ever seen. And um, yeah, I think it was probably not intended and that driver is probably going to catch a lot of flack, but it made for a spectacular. 20 no, months. it was it was extravagant. It was that's not no. the right word either. Oh, how about splashy? 
nah, it turned out to be splashy, but still not the best word. Was it garish or gaudy? No, it wasn't either of those. No, it wasn't Flamboyant? That. It was pretty flamboyant. It was extreme. Uh, it was elaborate. It was extreme. It was a yeah. very, the most extreme maneuver I've ever seen on a jet ski. Um, so yeah, the jet ski floater heard around the world. It's on WSL's Instagram. If you want to see that. Um, my Duke of the week, Scott, you might yeah. not be familiar with the Duke. Hmm. The Instagram account, gothic underscore dolphins. <laughs> I have seen this account. Um, fill me in. Gothic dolphins. Here's why they are my Duke. There's an, a real um, painstaking amount of labor that goes into creating these video memes that they are creating. Mm -hmm. It's so it costs a lot of time, but it is precise in its hilarity. Like the comedy of it is so precise for you and I. Like this very small segment of society. You even if you're into surfing, you won't get a lot of the jokes that they're making. You have to be super duper into surfing and paying close attention to every moment. And then they're so timely. You know, the um <laughs> <laughs> the jet the guy foils or uh toes in at Fort Point on the foil. Yeah. And within within half a day of that happening, they've got a video meme about that up on their account. So they're <laughs> hilarious. They're timely. There's all this effort. And more importantly, they're completely anonymous. I have no idea who Gothic Dolphins is. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. I don't know if it's a team of people. You know, it could be like anonymous where it's a group of people doing this thing, but they're pure joy. It's a gift this holiday season to anybody who follows that account. So Gothic Dolphins is my duke. Well, I'm I'm with you on this. I'm looking through their Instagram account. It's quite hilarious. I'm a big fan of of that type of humor. There's a, a lot of parody and yeah. sarcasm. And so the good. one today, I'll kind of spoil it, but go on and look at today's. Today's three hours ago they posted. It's the scene from um, Love Actually. So it's a holiday film. And it's where the guy shows up at Kira Knightley's door. Kira Knightley's door at the end and he doesn't want to vocalize anything to her because I think her boyfriend or fiance or something's inside so he has things written out on cards and he pulls one you know one sentence per card so there's a first sentence and then he throws it away and then he shows her another card throws that away shows her another card until he can get his whole thought out without verbalizing anything but gothic dolphins erased what's on the card and wrote in like new messaging and it's genius it's just yeah. hilarious there's no victim, you know, it's not like mean spirited. It's just hilarious. And again, they're doing this completely anonymously just as a gift for you and I, Scott. Oh, God bless them. Gothic dolphins. It's great stuff. It's a great well, name too. My kook is um, Uncle Dave um, Saholnik and the uh, Sneedside event that happened at Seaside, which is a surfing contest that that David puts on for um, the kids here in this community. And um, also all the funds are used to help uh, those in need. So um, I think you called them a kook. No, I meant they're not my kook. They're my duke. Right? Got it. Got they're, it. Got it. They're my duke Kahanamoku. Got it. I'm a big fan of what Dave and Mr. Sneed are doing. The Sneed side. Sweet. Surfing event. Yeah. So 
tip of the very hat good. to those guys. Yeah. Very good. Well, hey, uh, good luck with all your Christmas cooking. We will check in next week a few days before Christmas. Dude, I got the air fryer. You got to go air fryer, bros. I got so the, I've heard. I got the chicken breasts. I'm going to put them in. I'm going to put mayo on them with some Whoa, seasoning. Roll those chicken breasts around. Get them all saturated. Put them on the little air fryer tray. The mayo makes it crisp, bro. I'm not egg. familiar with the mayo technique. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Know. Okay, boss. Look. All right. Until next time. Adios and aloha. You know I need your love.